What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Okay, you know, like at camps and stuff like this, you take the ball out. You ain't getting the ball back. <laughs> like, you the last one up the court. They already did their thing. So I stopped there, and I just got into a rhythm and started hooping. The Lakers should sign Trey Young this summer. They got to kind of start preparing for, like, if LeBron's last year is this year or next year, whenever it is. And I feel like a uh, pick and roll with AD and a guy like Trey Young would be deadly. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.
Welcome back, all the smoke. Jeff, we got a good one today, man. Someone who's been a legend for a long time, man. Someone we grew up looking up to and, and got a chance to play against. One of the most name dropped on the show. Yeah, one of, the, yeah. one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen. Um, welcome to the show, Shay Cotton. Appreciate you, Appreciate yeah, you, man. Uh, long bro. time coming. Bro. Uh, got a chance to check your doc out uh, in your doc. I'm going to quote Jack. He had the body of LeBron, athleticism of MJ, left-handed, with the attitude of Ron Artest and Steven Jackson. Uh, when you hear people who went on to have long, successful NBA careers, you played against some of the best the game has ever seen. And when, when you hear those kind of guys giving you the love and praise you deserve, how does that make you feel? On some level, mission accomplished. And then, you know, it's like bittersweet because it's like I, I got almost all the way to the finish line. And I think that's the that's the thing that I have to live through mm -hmm. in this life. Like the, the part that didn't work at the end that I was doing everything for, mm -hmm. you know. And, and I still deal today. I tell people, you know, the mental health is real because I battle daily. Mm -hmm. You know, every day is different. But I start my day pouring into myself so I can, you know, uh, expel a lot of that negative negative vibration. Well, let's 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 dig into that because I, you know, obviously I think you know mental health when we were coming up wasn't something that was talked about. It was tough it up and and do what the fuck you got to do. And I think athletes over the last five years have kind of brought that mental health conversation to platforms and and allowed other people to say like, hey, I'm not okay. You know, athletes have made millions of dollars. People who didn't make it, we all have some sort of struggle. Um, where are you at with that? Like I said, it's a daily battle. Are you at peace with it? Some days you are, some days you aren't. Like walk us through that process. I think as as a most um, on a daily basis, I'm I'm good with where I am in my life. I'm comfortable in my skin. You know, I've been through my toughest challenges after finishing up playing. You know, that transition is like a whole nother life. It's like a rebirth. You know, so I had to let the old me die. Mm. I don't have those basketball conversations with people unless they ask those questions. You know, my whole life now is about service, helping the community, giving back to our kids and beyond. And that's more rewarding than than the money that, that I receive in this life, because I know that I'm impacting, making people better underneath me, the younger generation. With such a historical start, how hard is that to put that all behind you? Like, Especially when you feel like it wasn't finished, right? It's uh, it's a daily it's a daily battle with the mind, right? It's how we feel about ourselves. It's not what everybody else says right. about us. So I always say I got to check my ego at the door every day when I leave and when I come home again. But home is a sanctuary. You build yourself up so you can battle when you leave. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing for me today is about my service and helping kids so they can avoid some of these things that I had to go through. Because in my career, I felt like I was exploited rather than mm -hmm. being built up, you know, and, and supported. Inglewood, mm -hmm. growing up in Inglewood, he's, uh, you talk about not having a childhood. I know firsthand you didn't have a childhood. I mean, the big to be a, the star and, and the worldwide national player you was at 12 years old and being on a Sports Illustrated as a freshman in high school, that's kind of hard for anybody to understand. So talk about, you know, being a star at such a young age and not really having a childhood. That's a great, great point. Uh, I mean, it was like basically a, a traveling rock band. You know, I'm a rock star. My team was the rock group. Everywhere we went, you know, we sold out games. I mean, 12, 13 years old, I was already known on ESPN, Scholastic Sports America, SSA, and Sunkiss Kids. 
that was pre-social media era mm-hmm. with all this stuff today. People got to realize that it's been diluted now because it's everywhere. Back right. then, it was only a few outlets, you know, Street and Smith, uh, ESPN, Student Sports Magazine, Cal High Sports, uh, you know, Parade Magazine. There was only a few platforms that we were aiming for. When I got to Sports Illustrated, it was like, I'm 15 years old. Where do I go mm. from here? Mm. You know what I'm saying? And everybody else is grown ups around right. me. And I'm a kid. My dad didn't hoop. My mom didn't hoop. It was just me and my brother. My mm-hmm. uncles played football. The rest of them was in the streets. And I'm like, they graduated to the NBA in the, in the streets. And I'm working on this thing in, in, in the basketball realm. And I'm saying to myself, I've been to, I don't know, 20 different states by the time I was 16, mm-hmm. all from playing basketball. But what's different is <clears throat> when we came up, there was only a handful of names you knew. Like now you know everyone because of social media, but there was only certain names you knew. And most of the time you didn't know how good people was until you got to play with them. You know, now social media got highlights with kids that are losing games and still putting up highlights. But Shea was one of the names you heard, like Shea and, you know, Lester Earl and, you know, the handful of dudes you would hear about. But but you were definitely one of them. Like you said, it wasn't there wasn't a ton of outlets to have that kind of exposure at that time. Absolutely. A lot of other guys. I think about Ronnie Fields. Shout out to Ronnie mm-hmm. Fields out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Zion's a great leaper, but Ronnie, he jumped gracefully. At a, at it was y'all too. It yeah. was y'all too. <laughs> had a 50, never worked on his legs. So mm-hmm. I talked to him. Uh, we, we got close to the Boston shootout after he had his uh, his accident. He was putting a halo and came back and played again. But And was dunking with the halo on. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he had a halo on, was still dunking, Just bro. a different breed. You know, Paul McPherson, another one. You yeah. know, Chicago, them two guys. Mm-hmm. Those are some high flyers. So every city at that time when we was coming out has thoroughbreds, probably three or four guys that could play mm-hmm. at the highest level. But it's a numbers game. Everybody's not going to make it. And, you know, I didn't I didn't foresee this part of my career ending like this, but I'm glad I was afflicted mm-hmm. because I wouldn't be the man that I am today. Mm-hmm. You started off with Issa Washington. Then you moved up initially. You started with PTI. What made PTI so good? Great question. Uh, yourself. Well, <laughs> well, after I dropped 40 on them playing with the Cerritos Jaguars, shout out to Joe Perry, uh, Pat Barrett had to have me. And uh, we were practicing. I came down to a, a workout. He invited me to at Woodbridge High School where Chris Burgess, Burgess went. went there. Yeah. And uh, it was just felt like home. And I had the, the training opportunity with Marv Rinovich, rest in peace, uh, Ty's dad. And uh, I just propelled to another level. I took my athleticism and my commitment with their training and, and that system with the program, and it just went to a whole. And what age were you training? Because he got, I think, Marv got a lot of slack or flack the way he tried to train his son. Um, but when I was watching your doc and saw that you worked with him, it started to make sense. I'm like, oh, that's who he was working with. So, yeah. what, at what age was that? And how fast did you see results? I started at 12 and, and, and took off. I locked in with Marv till I was about 16 years old. Mm-hmm. So a good four year run. And I mean, it just, I put everything I had at it, you know, and he was a no nonsense, a lot like my pops. So it worked good for me because it was a good culture and it was a more of a one-on-one. It'd be me, Ed O'Bannon, my brother, Charles O'Bannon, Ty Marinovich, um, Guys like that, I see Troy Palomalu at different times. I mean, he was training the elite guys. Mm-hmm. So everybody talked about Grover and what he did with Jordan. I said, the best trainer to me is Marv Rinovich. Mm-hmm. You know, Michael Jordan made Grover. At the end of the day, Marv turned athletes into specimens. Mm-hmm. That's what you credit him for the name, man, child? Uh, I, I give him, I'll give him, yeah, I'll give him some partial, yeah, some of that. Mm-hmm. I got, I have to, you know. And who you give the other half to? 
the good Lord. Yes, you know what I'm saying? And that yes, work sir. ethic, you know, yeah. and that DNA my pops gave me. So yeah. rest in peace. Yeah, rest but, in peace to pops. Yeah, it's just a combination of things. It takes a village, you know, and at that time, I think our opportunities were scarce. So we took it more serious. We appreciated the gift. I think a lot of guys now take it for granted Absolutely. and they play like they got tomorrow. And that don't always work out. It don't work out like that. Um, regardless of how much success you have, at some point in life, something's going to hit you to make you understand. And I don't, I don't care what you're going through or how rich you are. Something, everybody deal with life, you know what I'm saying? And something in life is going to make you sit back and have to either sit down and just and just wait till God reveals something to you or uh, change, uh, change your life in a drastic way, you know what I'm saying? Because it could go south for anybody. That's right. Um, K-Swiss game, talk about that <laughs> against uh, Pete with Paul and uh, KG. Vegas. I know about it. Vegas. I was <laughs> I was in summer school. I wasn't even at the tournament. I got a call. <laughs> man, you school, coach man. hit me. It was like, we need you. You know, uh, they was flying KG in. You know, Paul played with, uh, I think Barron was on a younger team. Mm -hmm. So Tremaine uh, Turn was on that team. And they had a couple other guys. But, you know, Paul and KG was the attraction. I flew in, caught a flight, I think that night, came in. We played that next morning. Uh, I can't remember what time the game was. Gym was packed. UNLV North Gym. It's probably almost 3,000 people there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I saw every D1 main coach from Roy Williams to, to Lou Olson, uh, Jim Herrick, John Thompson, all the biggest in the game at that time was front row. So to me, it was about, I just got to show and prove. I was already locked in. You know, it was, I knew the calling that I had, the gift that I was playing with, and I understood the terms that I was under. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of adults hovering around me and I didn't have no nights off. I couldn't. So when I was hurt or I wasn't feeling good, if I'm lacing up, I got to I got to lay it out there. Mm -hmm. And that was my own mentality. I can't save everybody, but I'm going to come and play my game. And then hopefully the rest of my team rise to the occasion. Well, that night, the rest of the squad was kind of flat. I think I dropped almost 40. I had about 38. So I felt like I did what I needed to do. If I would have got a little help, we probably would have won. Mm -hmm. I think we lost by like eight. But I mean, that night I saw a guy play against my guy and do things to him that I hadn't seen nobody else do. And that's Kevin Garnett mm -hmm. playing against our big. And I'm saying to myself, like, this dude is special too. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he's blocking hook shots and midair, you know, <laughs> cuffing it, yelling at the wall. I'm like, and he loose too, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it was one of those things, but, you know, shout out to Big Ticket. Um, that competitive drive, that's what I miss mm -hmm. more than anything. And that, in that era, there's a golden there. I don't know if we'll ever see anything mm -hmm. like that again. I think it was the last of the realness in basketball yes, where yes. people laid it on the line. They was professionals and we didn't make excuses. Yeah. You know, didn't run from them. Yeah. Uh -huh. Dogs. It was dogs in every state. Yeah. What do you, uh, we came up here to AAU scene together. Um, what do you think of the AAU scene now? Very watered down. Mm -hmm. I think people are unrealistic. Parents live too much through their kids. Making a job too early. Yeah, and they need to parent. Stop trying to be coach and parent. Let the coach do his thing. Just be a parent. Mm -hmm. Come support the kid. And if you haven't done where your kid's trying to go, then just be quiet <laughs> and put somebody in place that has right. done it to help them and let right. them do their job. I think that's part of it. It's too much hovering over the kids. They're making them a commodity way too young, and they don't know what they're setting them up for, mm -hmm. setting them up for failure. Everybody's not going to be able to rebound. Man, come on, man. I'm blessed to be here. I almost took my life, and it's real. People see me, they see me smiling, put a new fit on, get a cut, and they think I'm good. But I'm really dying inside. Mm. It's how we handle the hell. You know what I'm saying? 
that's when you know who you are. When everything falls apart around you, what are you doing then? You still showing up, coming early, staying late? That's what I'm about. You know, when the bottom's falling out, you still doing your thing? Yeah. Or are you point blame and making excuses? Right. You know, I got a, I got, I got a Tupac quote on me that says, dying inside, but outside I'm looking fearless. And I think mm-hmm. so many people live that way. Yep. Like you can't tell that I've been through hell because I'm still here. I'm yep. standing here. I'm smiling. I'm doing my job. Also, I think another thing in AU, because I'm coaching my kids now, is when we came up in AU, it was only the best players. Now, if a kid doesn't play, his dad can start his own AU program. And that's why there's just there's the gold division, the bronze division, the silver division, the penny. Like there's so many different divisions instead of. So, like you said, it's really, really, really watered down. And then these false expectations that every parent think their kid is going. Mm-hmm. And now every kid thinks they're going. So it's just like it's, it's a thin line between reality and truth when it comes to AU now. And it's, it's, it's definitely unfortunate. They, but they don't they don't they didn't know how. Well, today they don't know how to separate being cool off the court and on the court. Oh, so like we, 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 we was together off the court doing everything, but on the court, we did not know each other. You know what I'm saying? And we understood it. It, it could be some, it could be, it could be some disrespectful things said, some elbows or something, but on that court, that's all we knew. Right. Even though I fuck with you, you not finna embarrass me out here. I gotta get the best of you, you know what I'm saying? And we did that with passion, bro. You know what I'm saying? I think that's what's lost today. The competitive spirit, the 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 attitude of it's me or, or nothing. You know right. what I'm saying? This, this I gotta take advantage of this opportunity. They they it, they are too small, and, and it's it, it's too many situations where if they don't work, it's okay. You still can make it. Just like in music, right. you don't have to make a dope album to get dope album money. You know what I'm saying? And that's just in basketball. You don't have to work hard or be that player. You can just have. have 10 great highlights on social media. Mm-hmm. Now you're one of the best players in the country. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I hate that aspect of it now. Yeah. The work part, the actual grind part, the really come from it part, it's not respected no more. Yeah, and they don't show you that. They only want to show you the beginning and the end. People don't show the process. And if they showed the process of how the elite get to become the elite, they would respect the, the game a lot more. Mm-hmm. See, a lot of these kids today, they watch everything here. They're good on the phone and computer, but communication skills lacking. Yeah. Heart lacking. Accountability lacking. Right. IQ. You know what I mean? IQ, the whole deal. The hunger lacking. Mm-hmm. What you going to do when somebody chug you real quick? They put mm-hmm. some wood on your chest, bust mm-hmm. you in the mouth. What you going to do then? Mm-hmm. It's a real fight when you get hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's when you know what you got. Mm-hmm. So I came up in that era. I was getting beat up by my brother every day, two and a half years older, always playing against his peers, having to hone my skills. I couldn't complain. I couldn't call no fouls. I was lucky to be on the court. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward, 15, I'm playing with Magic at UCLA Men's North, Men's Gym. And I'm the only high school guy in the gym. Everybody else is NBA players. Grant Hill in his prime. Eddie Jones in his prime. Kenny Anderson in his prime. Magic, and he still had a lot of fuel. You the tank. going crazy. Yeah, and I'm running with him on his team. <laughs> I walk in the gym, he let Magic holler that. I got caught, and I'm just like, man, I'm on my way. Yeah. In my head. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So for the rug to be you know, pulled like that, and I land on my face. It, that was probably the hardest thing because mm-hmm. the embarrassment, the disappointment, and the the, the level of betrayal mm-hmm. that I felt, you know, from the people that I trusted in, that exposed me and exploited me for money. When I wasn't getting paid, everybody thought I was getting paid. I just had a direct line of Nike. I had everything they made, but mm-hmm. I wasn't getting no money. Mm-hmm. But now in today's era with the NIL, I think it's great what they're doing, but they don't realize who helped make that possible. Right. A lot of guys in our generation right. made this NIL thing possible. Things that was mishandled in my career with NC2A mm-hmm. made a lot of this possible. Stuff that happened with Ed 
being exposed with his jersey sales and things like that. So certain players help pave the way for the NIL now. And I'm glad that they're getting this. This should have happened a long time ago. Right. You know. um, obviously, now being older and wiser, you feel you understood that you were being exploited. How old were you when you understood it in the moment that you were being kind of taken advantage of and paraded around? And it, it wasn't necessarily about you, but it's about what you can do for someone else, an older person. Great question. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Sports Illustrated hit. That was like the that pinnacle. Great? Yeah. That was the pinnacle. I mean, I was already nationally known before that, but that was just kind of like, where else do I go from here? This was our biggest platform. And I'm looking around like, I got to stay humble. I got to stay close to the people that love me and that's going to tell me what's best for me rather than what I want to hear because everybody wants to stroke you at that point Mm -hmm. just to say they know you, to get close to you and all that. So that was a challenge. But my father did a good job of keeping me humble because I did construction with him in the summer. Me and my brother, and you know, I valued a dollar and I treated people with, with empathy and compassion. One thing I got from your documentary was your foundation with your family. How instrumental was your mom? And, and like we said earlier, rest in peace to your pops. And then your big brother had already kind of set the, you know, paved the way somewhat in, in, in the basketball space for you. But what was it like with having a solid foundation around you? Because you had so much shit in an early age. Speak to how your family kept you humbled and, and you touched on it a second ago. Uh, that was big. I mean, my mother was more about, uh, you know, education and taking taking care of our responsibilities, treating people with, you know, respect and dignity, looking people in the eye and stuff like that. And my father was stern. He was more of a, a leader by example. He didn't talk as much. Uh, I always felt he was a little closer to my brother because of the age gap. And I think the similarities with personality and come to find out when he passed, I was his eyes and he shared that with me before he closed his eyes. So that hit me and it moved me in a different way. But the the component of mom and dad at home at night made all the difference in the world. Cause I had a cousin I grew up with when I became one of the top players in North America, he became one of the, the most infamous gangbangers in the street mm-hmm. and, and did probably 15 years, you know, maximum prison four yard and got a name in the street still today that ring bells, just like I did in the basketball world. So, and that's just choices. We grew up, we was doing a lot of the same things. It came to a fork in the road. I said, well, I got a choice to make. I know if I go over there, this basketball thing could change real fast. So I love the game. I made sacrifices. And I said, you know what? You guys go do that. I'm going to do this. And that's part of being a leader, you know, and that came in my house. My father taught me and my brother be a man, you know, be accountable. Uh, mean what you say and say what you mean. And that's something that is a lost ark, I think, today. The integrity the accountability aspect and, you know, just with mother and father in the house for black males makes all the difference in the world. If you're lucky to have that, or if you got one parent that's investing in you and that's got your back, you still may have a chance without that. It's hard. All the pressures, you know, the, the peer pressure, you got the disappointment, you got everybody pulling at you. I mean, when I'm 15, 16 years old, I could have been driving any car I wanted, you know, I had offers to get a brand new house going into high school as a freshman with two cars paid for. Hold on, hold on. A brand new house as what? As a freshman going into high school <laughs> with two pink slips in on the, the cars. Freshman, okay, bro. with the deed to the house. Not like, oh, you're going to be paying rent. No, we're going to gift this to you. I'm saying to myself, I don't come from this world. My parents didn't teach me how to just take from people. It was all about earning your keep. So I always looked at it like, well, if you give me something for nothing, there's, yeah, there you go. There's strings attached. It's a motive. Yeah, and I don't want it. So 
I'm glad that I was afflicted. I hate that I had to go through all of these channels to be here because it almost took my life. Right. But I feel like I'm here today to help a lot of other people save their lives mm -hmm. too. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one -on -one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one -on -one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The one million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Touch on... The men's gym, uh, we're actually doing a doc on the men's gym, the UCLA men's gym, but you're coming in there 15 years old, running with Magic, Penny, Akeem, the who's who used to come to LA in the summertime and run. But as a young teenager, what were some of those games like and how did you stand? How did you fare against those guys? Man, I used to look forward to it. I mean, I didn't care how much I had to train, work out. I couldn't wait to hoop. I knew it was going to be a test every time we got there. It'd be a different NBA guy that I'm going to be facing in my position. I mean, you talk Eddie Jones in his prime with the Lake Show, with Magic Sedell, three, that whole team, Nick Van Exel, Eldon Campbell on that squad. And then you had like Grant Hill in his prime before he had the knee injuries. You know, Kenny Anderson, he was still playing at a high level. I'm facing all these guys. And I'm like, I can remember running the, running the wing. I think Magic had the rock in the middle. He kicked it up to me. It was me and Grant Hill in a foot race. And I was closing in from the left side. And I think he thought I was going to lay it up. So he tried to, like, swipe it. He tried to run by me and cut me off and swipe it low. I just wrapped it, went around his body and dunked that thing and kind of looked at him. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know? I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> That's it. It's just one of those things. I had to show and prove because I was the only high school player in the gym. Everybody else is NBA guys, and I'm playing with Magic. But you're speaking high school. Like, you're a young high school. Like, you're 15 years old. Right. You know what I mean? Like, we played a 16-year-old eighth grader this this year in in AAU. You know what I mean? You're a 15-year-old freshman playing against grown-ass He looked 22, though. He looked 22, 3. You know what I mean? He looked In all actuality, he's a baby, though. Yeah, he's a baby. You know what I mean? You're really a baby in in the grand scheme of things and and, and to get out to really do your thing. It was crazy. Do you ever get a chance to work with any of those guys outside of the men's gym? Any pros that you worked with coming up? Or was I did a little cup of coffee with KD a little bit early. Um, with KG? Yeah, KD. Oh. He came out and worked with him a little bit behind the scenes. But um, Harrison Barnes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of college guys behind the scenes, you know, at all different levels. And handpick high school players. Because mm-hmm. I don't like dealing with all the guys. Because the energy, if it's not right, and if your mind is up here, I'm not even going to waste my time. Because... In my mind, like, you have no idea what it was like when I was playing. Mm. It would happen and how humbling it can become. So you can be here and they build you up to do what? Break to tear you down. down. Mm-hmm. So stay in the middle. 
Even kill. That Summer '95, you play against Kobe. What was that like? What was that game like? Man, rest in peace. First and foremost, um, NBA Players Camp, Princeton, New Jersey. One of the first they did. An MBPA top 100. Um, heard a lot about him going into the camp. I was already nationally known. Kobe was rising at that time. I think he was a junior that summer. Yeah. Um, and, and we really, we really went at it. We had a meeting that night before in the mess hall. Everybody sat down and ate in the cafeteria and, you know, everybody's kind of sharing stories and we started drawing back and forth. The East West thing, you know, it was, it was at a high tension with Biggie and Pac. So <laughs> Kobe was feeling good. You know, <laughs> had some choice words for me, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, the pit bull that I am, I'll be right back. And, yeah. you know, I don't want to get into all that part of it, but we, we really got after it when we played each other in my head, I was like, he's the one that's standing in front of me right now. Everybody else, I feel like I, I was doing what I needed to do. I wanted to really show him that he wasn't better than me mm-hmm. because I felt like the East Coast always got the knock and the West never really got the respect. Mm-hmm. So for me, I had like the coast on my back. It was me and I think the Collins twins, one of those guys that was there. Nobody else was from California in the, in the whole camp. I left the camp with a lot more respect than I did when I got there. And me and Kobe went at it. It was my best one-on-one matchup I probably ever had next to Metal World Peace as far as from a competitive aspect, coming every play, every possession, not taking no playoff, playing it all the way through. You know, I go at him, he coming right back. I yep. mean, it, yeah, it, it, it was no accident. I said, man, this is what it's about. Mm-hmm. This is what you train for, prepare for, to be played at that that highest level. And, and crazy talk. Oh, yeah. Non, nonstop. Yeah, yeah, nonstop. I'm going at him. Now what? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, the West Coast can go too. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it was about that for me. It wasn't, oh, I'm from the West, you're from the East. It's like, no, it don't matter where you come from. You got to show me. Right. I'm from Missouri. You're from the show me state. You know, you got you to line it up. So mm-hmm. in, in that aspect with the MBPA Top 100, I think Bobby Dantris was there. He was running it. Darnell Valentine was my counselor. And he happened to play with the Clippers. And I grew up watching them in the sports arena before they built the uh, Staples. And I told him, I said, man, that crew you guys played with, you guys was tough as nails. It was a different era. So I learned a lot of tricks from that era, too. So when I played against Kobe, I was a lot stronger than he was. He was more of a jump shooter at that time. And I would mix it up. I'd go inside and out. And it was just physically, I think it was too much for him. Over over time, I got the better hand of him. We had a hell of a matchup. But on that day, I was better. Did you guys stay in contact after that? Every time we see each other in the summer, we always somehow see each other in the summer, like at Venice or, you know, around L.A. and stuff. He would always acknowledge, make time to chop it up. So he never big time me, which I respected. And I think that was a bond that we shared. He never really spoke on it. He stayed quiet. But people would always ask me. That's the only reason why I would talk about it, Mm -hmm. because my whole thing is I'm not into showing people up, but I got to tell the truth when somebody asks a question. Mm -hmm. Um. The Nike All-American Camp, big names, Allen Iverson, Esteban Weaver, to name a few. Uh, what were those matchups like? Great question also. Esteban Weaver, Columbus, Ohio, supposed to have been the main guy there, 6'4", point guard. You know, he could do a little bit of everything, like a like a magic throwback, more or less. Uh, we played each other at Nike Camp, and I remember playing against him. Went right around him like he was standing still. I remember one of the clips was in the tape, top of the key, hit him with the right jab, one dribble down the lane, boom, dunked it like he wasn't even standing there. So at that point, I think he knew like, okay, 
I can't guard this dude. So he was switching off and doing some creative defensive tactics. He said creative. Yeah. <laughs> you know, from that end. But we we still talk to this day, you know, good people. Uh, shout out to Esteban Weaver um, and some of these other guys. You mentioned another another name. AI. AI. I missed him. Freshman year. My math teacher. Coach Ikes at Modern Day gave me a gave me a D. Had to had to repeat a class. Oh, really? So I had to go to had to go to uh, summer school as a freshman. I would have been at that Nike camp with AI on TV. Lujimi, Lujimi, man, man played yeah. in that one. Yeah. Whoa, my dog. Yeah, it's another one. That's my dog. Yeah, that that was the that was the guard before Baron, before Jason Hart. Yeah, Lujimi man was the guy. Okay? Yeah. So you talk about mother and father in the house doing right by your kid. If they would have had him buckle down academically, he would have played at UCLA. Things might have been a lot different because yeah, yeah. UCLA offered him like seventh, eighth grade. Damn. So I want people to understand that. Lose, lose yeah, the truth. lose me, yeah. But this is a game that people don't talk about. Vegas, you would get uh, Mike Bibby, Shadow Mountain. You had about fifty. Mike had about forty-five. Yeah, that was a crazy game. Yeah. I was with Oak Hill. We played in that tournament. Oh, you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that was crazy. And a lot of people. That was a game that people need to talk about more. Because Mike was a problem in high school. Yeah, he scored so many different ways. Hell of a competitor. Just kept coming. We didn't have an answer for him at the guard position, mm-hmm. and they couldn't hold me at my spot. So Nick, we were just going back and Nick. forth. Yeah, and I mean, this is I think a holiday classic in Vegas around mm-hmm. Christmas time. Yeah. And it was one of the biggest tournaments at that time of year. So the gym was 4,000 people packed. Crazy. I mean, every gym we played in, it was sold out. You know, at modern day freshman year, I think we lost one game with 33-1, and one, lost to Crenshaw, uh, and, and, and going to go to state, should have won that game, got cheated. That's a whole other thing. Filed me out, two, three phantom calls. I love you, Chris Johnson. <laughs> you know they cheated me. So. <laughs> you know, but... Uh, just the era, I miss the bond, the brotherhood yes. that we had. Yeah. You can't capture that nowhere. And I would always say, what's life going to be like after basketball? Well, it's challenging because you feel disconnected from the world on some level. Speak to, at a young age, the one thing I heard when everyone talked about you, you get a chance to see you play, see and film, you showed up every game. The consistency for you at a young age where some guys are going like this, you were consistent. And, and speak to what you uh, contribute that to. Just the work ethic, um, facing facing my fears, daring to be great, you know, uh, coming early, staying late, training with my brother, training with Marv, doing stuff on my own, you know, jumping rope, running the dunes, uh, donkey calf raises, uh, me and my brother. What's donkey calf raises? We, put someone on your back? Yeah, we back. Put, somebody, put somebody on your back and you lean over like You would a, think uh, with them calves, calves you did them, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just do toe raises. From the police. But you got to go all the way up and all the way down, all the way up on the tippies back down. You got to get those fibers at the end that, where it feels like it's tearing so you get that fast twitch united. Mm-hmm. So it was things I was doing at a young age. And then, you know, calisthenic training, pull up, push up dip circuits and Doing stuff, my cousin's getting locked up, coming home, showing me little tactics to get stronger, get bigger, faster, without having to take creatine and all these things. So I attributed to the work ethic, man, and I just had the, the discipline and the courage to show when I got on the court. A lot of people play well in practice and in training, but they get in the game and it doesn't translate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the lights get big all of a sudden. The lights, the lights is the same 
wattage, but all of a sudden you can't hit the <laughs> right. shot. You can't right. hit the free throw. Mm-hmm. You're missing layups. You know, that you can't tease that part of it. No. Though. But it sounds like at a young age, which is hard, especially to do now, you fell in love with the process. I did. Yeah. And I love the game because I didn't want to do construction. I hated that so much. Right? But I understood <laughs> knew what the other yeah, side was. That part. But I knew my father was teaching me at the same time. Yep. He was teaching me work ethic and accountability. You know, mm-hmm. I love him to death. You know, God bless, rest his soul. But I see now this helping me in my fight, mm-hmm. in this thing we call life, you know, with, with the uh, the hardships and the travesties I had to endure to help a lot of other people. And I did the hard work on myself, pouring into me. Instead of being bitter and scarred, I chose to be better, you know, because after I chose not to take my life, I started thinking about what do I want to do now? What is the next phase in my life going to look like? You know, I don't want to be the guy talking about what I used to do at the barbershop and things like that. So, you know, I, I took a different approach. I said, you know what? I'm going to help the kids coming up so they don't have to go through what I went through. And I'm going to do right by them where wrong was done by me. You mentioned taking your life a couple of times already. And I saw in your doc, you had called your girl and you told her this is it's time. And explain for those who haven't seen the doc, what she told you and, and how that kind of flipped your switch. We had, we had a moment. Um, I called her, had the 357 up, pointed up to my head and I was just tired, man. I didn't have no feeling. And what age was, was this? Numb. I was probably, I was in Juco, I believe. Just finished Long Beach City. I think I was going to Alabama. I was probably like 21. Yeah, something like that. And uh, I just didn't want to feel no more. And I called her. I said, listen, I can't do this. You know, uh, time is now. You know, I, I can't do this life. I'm going to take my life. I don't, I don't want to live no more. And she said, well, if you're going to do it, come get me. And it moved me in a different way. And I'm saying to myself, man, she got that much love for me where you'll sit there and go out with me at the same time. Mm. I said, how many people would actually do that? So that hit me in a different way. And I'm like, well, maybe there's something else to this. Mm. And it it kind of grabbed me. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know, like God just grabbed me at that time. Like, don't do it. Put the pistol down. You know, I broke down, I was crying. I was in my father's truck at the time. And then I wound up driving back to the house and I just sat in the front for some time. Nobody knew. My mother didn't notice for years. I mean, I think she found out during the film, one of the screenings, you know, the details of what my mental health experience was, mm-hmm. was like. So, but after that, I started thinking about reasons to live. So I tell people today, you got to fight to live, mm-hmm. you know, because it gets hard out here. You know, you, you leave your house, you're in a good mood, get on the freeway, somebody cut you off. You got a choice to make. You're going to let them get your energy or you're going to keep your vibration high. Or you're going to try to run them down and, you know, get even and all of that. So I learned, I said, I have to focus on meditation. I got to pray. And then I got to pour into myself with something positive every morning. I listen to Jim Rohn a lot. I was listening to Wayne Dyer this morning. Uh, a lot of people like um, uh, this Dr. Miles Monroe, rest in peace. Uh, Jim Rohn passed away too, but he talked Tony Robbins, who's the, the biggest motivational speaker in the world. I mean, a ton of knowledge. It reverts a lot of stuff back to the Bible where it makes it real for me because I know how God showed up for me in the middle of shootouts and people pulling pistols and things like that. And I remain calm under pressure because you have that reassurance that, you know, everybody's not going to live forever. And sometimes bad things happen to good people, but it's what you do after 
is what's most important. It's not what happens, it's what you do. You were just talking about like things could happen and you could just leave your house and somebody could size up. You've been through that. Yep. A lot of people don't know. Can you talk about that? You mind talk about that? Yeah, last two and a half years. I mean, I got in a bad accident, got hit by a diesel, driving in my lane, minding my business, driving the speed limit, doing everything right. It was a diesel pulling the water truck, 18-wheeler, didn't even see me, clipped me, uh, got hitched to his bumper. I mean, lifted my car up completely off the ground. I mean, it was surreal and I remained calm because God had his wings around me at that time and I was able to regain control of the car, uh, pulled the car off his bumper and pulled it to the shoulder, flagged him down. And then, you know, I was in shock. They had to call the ambulance, went to the, the ER. They told me, look, you're lucky. About a half inch closer, you'd be dead. Mm -hmm. It took about a year and a half, two years to recover. I did a ton of physical therapy and acupuncture, a lot of stretching and just going through my, my circuits and my training and being in the sauna a lot and praying, man, because it was scary when I couldn't really move. Mm. I'd stand up and I could barely walk. You know, you feel your joint, your back just felt locked up. You don't really understand the value of your faculties until certain things are taken away. So I tell people, you know, I'm, I'm upright, I'm whole, I'm healthy. That's a blessing in itself. You say, you play anymore? I've exhausted my repertoire. I have no meaning. This nigga is sick. This nigga is sick, man. Hey, what's crazy? You still look like you can play, though. Right now. This is very crazy. I've exhausted my repertoire. That's a good one. I'm going to use that motherfucker. Hey, what you got to think, though, Matt? Like, we done, we done went through all kind of shit through his his high school basketball career, right? And he experienced more stuff in high school than people experienced in, in a lifetime. lifetime of basketball. And we talking here at 21, he's so he, he's dealing with so much pressure at 21, it's he want to take bro. his life from basketball. That's why I say there's nobody that I ever knew that went through so much or was bigger in high school than this guy, dog. Mm -hmm. Because nobody else was on the... Color so this rate is a freshman. Name somebody else, hmm. right? So that, that that just it just it just boggled my mind, dog. When you when we talk, we got through all that, and you talking about taking your own life, and you was just twenty one. Yeah, that's crazy. All the stuff you had been through in that short time. Yeah, the pain. You know, I mean, we're competitors, so you want to see a result. You want to see a return on your investment, and when you don't get the return that you thought you was looking at. And now it's like, okay, well, somebody got to pay. Mm -hmm. So how do you channel that frustration, that energy? You know, there was a, there was an anger there. There was a rage inside of me for, for years. And I had to, to deal with that. You know, nobody else could help me. No woman could to help me through that. My parents couldn't help me through that. My brother, I said, man, this is tough. I got to a point in my life where I don't know what to do. And everybody was looking at me like I had all the answers. And finally, I got to a point, that breaking point where I could go this way completely or I could just surrender. So I chose to surrender, gave my life to the Lord probably 20 years ago, wholeheartedly, never looked back since. And my road has been more challenging, but it's worth it. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I stand on. Mm -hmm. College, you uh, initially was trying to go to school with your brother at Long Beach State, shout out James, that's the homie too. Um, ended up, like you said, at Alabama, how all that happened? You supposed to go to UCLA. Mm -hmm. Like, talk about that road to trying to get in school. Great question. Um, started at Long Beach State, my brother. Uh, we had some financial hardships at home. So my brother uh, found out that he'd be mid-late first round pick, ideally, if he was to come out. 
So we had a meeting. He had an agreement and said, you know, we want to turn pro to help the family and achieve his dream, which he did. And uh, I revisited my my uh, my commitment at the time to Long Beach State. I felt like I could go bigger. And I know my talent deemed that opportunity. And I always wanted to play at UCLA. I felt like it was the West Coast, North Carolina. So it was an easy one for me. Mm-hmm. And they were open arms, you know. So when that happened, Baron and Earl and everybody had already committed and signed. So I was like the last one. So I was excited because I felt like we had a good team and we was Final Four bound a year. And everything was all good. Went to UCLA, enrolled in freshman FSP, doing workouts, getting ready for the quarter system. We go through our classes, getting my last, my last grades. One of my proctors came and handed me a newspaper. NC2A validates Cotton's SAT score. Out the blue. You invalidated a score that was okay for Long Beach State, but wasn't okay for UCLA. You tell me what happened. And everybody looked at me like I was dumb. Like I did something that I wasn't supposed to be doing. Oh, that's good for him. See, that's that's what he gets. Like I said, you build him up to do what? To tear him down. They praise you for a little while, but as long as you don't succeed for too long, the hate gonna come. Mm-hmm. So it's how you deal with it, right? So at that point, it was kind of like, Something ain't right. Why does everybody else get to stay and I got to leave? So I went from UCLA to, you know, evaluating all my options. And I said, well, I didn't really want to go to JUCO. I always would look down on that. You know, why, why would I have to go to JUCO when I'm good enough to play D1? So I looked at the prep schools, went back east, looked at a few schools, uh, settled on St. Thomas More. Uh, they had a rich tradition, you know, Devin Airdees, um, Ed Coda. Aju Ding, one of my teammates played there. Andre Drummond played in the NBA as well. And a bunch of other guys that played at a high level D1. So I don't want to cut you off, but you didn't cheat on your SAT. Not at all. Explain what happened. My guidance counselor, Ms. Goodman, rest in peace, Vicky Goodman, sat in on my, my test. She proctored it. Uh, we were in like a, like a guidance counseling room, and it was just me and her. She sat directly across the table. I'm at one end. She's at the other. And just sat there. I had larger print. You were given a little bit more time. A little time. bit more time for my test. That was all it was. Yeah, because uh, I was diagnosed with ADD. Didn't realize that till I was in high school. And uh, they just made an adjustment for me because I would freeze up when it came to test taking when I had a time limit. Mm-hmm. So they made some adjustments. I was able to take the test. I passed the test uh, on my third time, I believe. And it was like I cheated. And I'm saying to myself, how is that possible? I got my guidance counselor here. All by myself. Yeah, all by myself. And she spoke to it in the film. Mm-hmm. But the problem is my name had been slandered in the media for so long, everybody just believed it. Automatically believed it. Yeah. And this film came out way later. So mm-hmm. the information now is like new. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to make it because I, 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 it was a bullshit. You know what I mean? And I don't want people to think, oh, he really did cheat. And I was like, nah, he didn't. Yeah, they just try to fuck him over. Yeah, I'm the fall guy. I mean, somebody had to be the one to, to set the example. I wasn't taking the money. See, if if you take the money, now I have leverage to get you into this space over here. But I was the biggest thing, and nobody owned me. I wasn't under nobody else. It was like my family was running the show. My pops was the one. So, and nobody was going to go against that. So it was kind of like, well, that's a threat. And you black in America and you got all this power and you're not even in the NBA yet. How are we going to control him? Mm. It's bigger than basketball. I was pop 48 too, so I know what you was going through. I had the same situation, but I just didn't pass. 
<laughs> I should have asked that motherfucker some questions. He's sitting there the whole time. I'm just looking at him like, bro, you ain't going to help. So I don't say nothing because I really don't want to blow his cover or mine. Right. So I just abracadabra that motherfucker all the way through. Thought I was going to do it, but didn't work out. Yeah, so I feel him. That proper, they some bullshit. It affected a lot of black athletes, dog. Young black basketball yep. players coming up in our time. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Because the, the, the test is already culturally biased. Absolutely. A lot of that shit, I guarantee you, 80% is on that test has nothing to do with a nigga being successful right now. You explain, know what I'm saying? Explain so how you expect me to know that shit when I'm really in the game and I'm in the middle of it? Explain what it what is. Kind of shit is what, what is Prop 48? For those who don't know. Prop 48 is, 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 is somebody that doesn't, doesn't pass a test and you have to go a different route. You're not able to, to enter that university that you're trying to attend as a student athlete. So you, you got to sit out and get your academics in order, in order to have the opportunity. In any way possible. In any way possible. Ideally go to junior college or prep and then try to re, retake the test, which they had me doing at St. Thomas More. I retook a test. I already passed. I'm like, this is right. the dumbest stuff in history right here. So, I had already been ran through the mud. I'm like, how is one supposed to feel when you've done everything in your power to be in a position to succeed? And done it the right way. Right. And it's, and it's just robbed from you. It's taken from you. So that's what I want people to understand that I survived that. And I thank God I survived that. But that's not an easy feat. A lot of these kids may not be that successful these days. Mm. Nah, it's broken a lot of people we know. Yeah. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. not here today. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's broken a lot of people. So I commend you, bro, because we've seen so many go through it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That wasn't strong enough to deal with it. And then go with half then go through half the stuff you went through. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you land in Alabama with a ton of promises and they put you at the power forward. Talk to us about that experience. It was all good when I was playing the three preseason. They couldn't hold me, you know. Played Arizona, uh, University of Delaware, the Arizona tournament. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I had 38 against them. It was easy, too. I'm like, man, this is going to be fun this season, you know. And SEC conference started, and our big fella, Jeremy Hayes, went down, tore his knee up, had a meeting with the coach. He said, look, you know, you got college experience. You're the only one that can really play the four position out of our guys. And uh, it's either play out of position or don't play at all. So that was an easy one. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, damn, I fought two years for this reality. And you told me that I had a point guard that was going to put the ball in my hands. And then you isolate me at the four, don't run no place for me. And I still become all SEC second team. People don't understand what that's like. And you're the guy. You're not just a smoke on a wheel. You're doing this to me. Then it became like my ego then, like, how dare you? Take me away from my home, lie to me and my parents, get me out here, then you do this to me. But you're using my status as a McDonald's All-American to get Gerald Wallace and Mo Williams to come in the next season to have less numbers than me to get drafted. And I don't even get my name called. So the handwriting was on the wall for me. When I saw myself being played out of position, I said, I got to get out of here. I knew then. I said, after this season, I got to go. Wherever I'm going, I got to go somewhere. And I'm going to get some money. I'm not doing this no more. It was three years, okay? It was like a big waste of time. And I'm saying to myself, if I would have known what I know now, as a basketball mind, as a business mind, I would have probably never went to college, but I had to go through that to be right where I'm at today. So I can't change anything, even if I right. wanted to. Right. You know, That's the million dollar question, what would you change? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't change anything because I would be a different person. I may not even be here. Right.
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, palbociclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems 
may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Some other things have happened in, in, in the midst of that, but you get to the 1999 draft. You're told by a few teams that anywhere from end of the lottery to end of the first round. Elaborate on that experience for you. I guess I didn't have a big enough agent. <laughs> <laughs> they had some of the most European players come out in that draft that I had seen. Uh, Igor Rakosevich got drafted <laughs> to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I thought they was going to pick me. There was a lot of interest what there. Pick was that 11? I believe so. Yeah, it was still like right in that top 15 range. Mm-hmm. They told me I'd be somewhere from 15 to maybe 25 or 30. I said, all right, cool. This is first round guaranteed money. Me and my brother went to uh, Legends, which is a, a famous sports bar in Long Beach for the Buffalo Wings. And we did that, came back. I had my my uh, trainer there, AD, my agent, Steve Kaufman, and uh, my mother, father, and I think my brother. That was That was one of my lowest points, probably. You know, next to almost taking my life and my father passing. Those three things right there, it was tough. It was tough. I mean, I cried like a baby after that draft. To sit through that whole draft and to hear Kenny Smith talk about me, a sleeper on the board, a guy that he thought would have been picked up and nobody calls my name. It's like something something isn't right. You know, that don't supposed to happen. I had to live with that. I had to live through that. Like there's there's more education and insight in adversity than in success. Absolutely. So that's what I live with today. Like everything that I've learned, everything that I endured, I'm doing it for a better cause, a greater cause. I'm doing it for something greater than myself. And that releases the pain, that releases anguish and anything else, you know? And that's a blessing for me right there to be able to impact people today and have platforms like this, you know? Tell your story. Speak to it. I, I thought something that was really fascinating and, and, and relatable when you spoke in your documentary was all the young hype you had growing up and accolades and, and stuff that happened and things not panning out and you kind of having to show your face back where you grew up and made your name at. Talk to us how hard that was for you mentally. That was probably the toughest thing because, you know, after rising to a certain level where you're almost at the top of the hill looking down like who, who's who's getting close to me. When you fall, it's like, well, how am I supposed to handle this? You know, and I didn't have no mentor. I didn't have no no uh, no coach on the side that was looking out for me. I was by myself. I just had my family. That was it. You know, my mom's the only woman that stayed down for me through the twists and turns and the peaks and valleys. Relationships was failed. Uh, friendships, you know, burying my homie at 15, him getting murdered, changed my life forever. I'm saying to myself, them bullets wouldn't even for him, but he was in the wrong room at the wrong time. So choices in life, you know, so I got a chance to see coming full circle, showing your face where you make your name, where you lay, where you lay your head. People can respect that because I shook shook hands and kissed babies when I was on top and when I fell. I didn't make difference because it wasn't working out. And I think that's what people in this city respect that know me respect more than anything because they know I never change no matter what the cause. You know? uh, thought of the state of the, the, the NBA today. 
It's entertainment. Yeah, it's not really sport anymore. I think they've transcended it to a different space. They've adapted the European style into the NBA game. It's very technical. Um, I liked it better when it was a little bit more physical and just more up close and personal. I felt like the fanfare was different. I feel like fans got too much say-so and they're too close to the players. They're, they're, they should be more secure around around the players and the, the NBA experience and then let the spectators do them. I think a lot of stuff is getting out of hand because of the money. <clears throat> Guys have a little bit too much uh, influence, the players, on specific teams. When they need to stay in their lane and focus on being the best player you can be. Either you're going to be in management or you're going to be a player. <laughs> you can't do both. <laughs> you know, I think that's a big thing in the game today. You have a lot of favoritism going on. And a lot of guys that have the talent are slipping through the cracks. And where do they go? What happens to them? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of basketball players and not enough hoopers. You got you got a few hoopers in the game, Kyrie, KD, Braun. You got some hoopers. Yeah. But it's more basketball players now. We had more hoopers. Right. A lot of guys that just grew up playing basketball. Now you got guys that didn't play basketball to the tenth grade. They get a trainer, be on the AU, a, a high name the AU team, catch a couple lobs. Now you're getting a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. He wasn't no hooper. He's just a basketball player. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's a big difference, and people don't understand that. Yeah. And the NIL too. I mean that that the value of how many followers you have? Do you have a blue check or not? I got 18,000 some, whatever it is. I don't even have no check. I don't care about that check. I'm him mm-hmm. in the skin. In it, real time. Yeah. Better <laughs> send me, oh, you got to send me this and send me that to make sure you're who you say you are. Later for this. I'm tired of all of that. Like, where's the realness, the authenticity? Mm-hmm. It's gone. And how do you recoup that? I say this all the time. How do you manufacture toughness? A lot of talented guys. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of guys that can shoot, they can handle it like crazy, athletic, do all these things. But when you get tested in the in the fourth quarter, where are you at then? It's a different game in the fourth quarter, right? And the guys that step up then, those are the elite. Mm-hmm. You know, I say it all the time. As explosive as Zion Williamson is, they need to have somebody get him with a nutritionist and get his weight down. Why you can't get that weight down? You walked into the league with 50 million. Mm-hmm. Let them give me that bag. You hear me? I'm going to be coming early, staying late, yoga, Pilates. I'm doing everything I do to maximize my career. I don't think they look at that like we looked at. Mm -hmm. I think the mentality is different with these guys. And if they don't wake up, man, a lot more foreigners is going to be coming in. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening. Yeah. Absolutely. At a young age, your Nike bag was impeccable. Speak to the impact you feel at a young age you had on Nike at the time. Uh, I think it was huge. I think I was a, a poster child for Nike at, at a time when they had, you know, the likes of Andre Agassi, um, guys like Deion Sanders, you know, Scottie Pippen was emerging. Obviously, you had Jordan. Uh, you had some some guys that were really representing for the Nike brand. But on the, the high school level, I feel like I was I was somebody that that helped promote because I wore a different pair of sneakers every game, different Nike sneaker every game. And I was sharp. Whatever, I had the whatever shoe you wanted, though, right? Yeah. Just make We was call. asking him for his shoes after the, after camps. We was asking him for his shoes. <laughs> nah, for real. For real. I just making it. calls, you know, and, and they sent boxes to the house. Now, Modern Day's got a lifetime Nike deal plus Gatorade. I had my own agreement with Nike at that time, aside from what I was doing with the high school. And when we went to Nike camp, 
Everybody would fly in. You know, they bring us into a room. Mm -hmm. You get a duffel bag. They just load everything up. You go on the semi line, one after the other. Extravaganza. Yeah. So they did that with me. And then when we finished with that, they pulled me into another room. Oh, you, we got some. Yeah, I'm going. Yeah. I'm going to my room. Yeah. I get my bag. They sent me upstairs. He going. To, he going to the room with all the exclusive shit. Right. And they hit me. Just don't tell nobody. Just don't say nothing. You know. But we got this for you. Yeah. We'll have somebody deliver it to your room so they won't see you. So they play games. Right. They make exception, but you got to pay a price to get that experience. Mm -hmm. And I tell people like, you got to go through hell mm -hmm. to become the elite. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but don't nobody want to die. Mm -hmm. And that's what I see in this generation. A lot of that entitlement, that sense of self-entitlement. A lot of people said you were LeBron before LeBron. He was someone who was able to, uh, you know, really live up to the hype and it exceeded. How do you feel like he's handled? Because, again, he was on that after you. How do you think he's handled his journey uh, up to this point? I think he's done great. I'm sure he's probably learned some stuff from mine, too. You know what I mean? Low-key, whether he admits it or not. I'm sure he's familiar. He probably heard about the story. Uh, he had a guy in his corner, Rich Paul, which helped which helped him a lot along the way. And um, I believe a family that adopted him in high school that, that helped him also that nobody talks about. But I've done my research. So I'm happy for him because he's been able to stay clean. Mm -hmm. He's been a family man. Um, Business-wise, I mean, he's far exceeded expectation on the basketball court. I think he's exceeded expectation. But it's not really LeBron for LeBron. It's the one and only man Shea. Yeah, That's man it. Shea Cotton. That's right. it. Yeah. yeah, that doesn't do anything for me to hear mm -hmm. that LeBron mm -hmm. for LeBron. He's not doing anything to help my cause. So what, what good is that? Right. And you're in L.A. Right. Where I made my name, where I'm from. Right. So th that all that is weird to me, yeah, right? I dig it. Yeah. So for me, it's like the stroke is not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the community right now. Mm -hmm. You know, where's the support? Where's the uh, the financial um, commitment mm -hmm. to our mission? You know what I mean? Like donations and things like that to our foundation. That's what I'm about. I'm after testimonies with my kids. That's what I really want. It's not about the money. It's about legacy. I want people to talk about me and how I help them become somebody in this world mm. in the time that we spent. That's what I'm after. The testimony is more important because you can't buy that. One of your dad's final words in the doc was, it would only be fitting, and I'm paraphrasing, it would only be fitting if you were the one that's going to deliver the next great player out of California. When you saw that, what did that mean to you? It's heavy, man. I, I think about that every day. You know, I say, well, I'm still looking. I'm still searching. I, I got a young pup, you know, he's in training. He's like a cane corso puppy right now, but <laughs> we get him together, get him up to speed. He's he going to be a problem. He's he Apollo Creed's bloodline, okay. you know, Carl Weathers, mm -hmm. the real. Yeah. So you just never know, man. I, you throw enough shit against the wall, some stick. of it is going to stick. Mm -hmm. And that's my mentality with all this. But in this era, it's a little bit more challenging because some people feel like I'm outdated. But in my head, I'm spot on mm -hmm. because the game's still the same. And the stuff that I teach the player, I know it works because I did it. Right? It's timeless. The knowledge is timeless. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they look at it as, oh, if you don't have a facility and fancy equipment and a big name guy behind you, you need all that there's no value there. Right. That's this era. Everybody could have that and still not make it. Right. Shit don't mean nothing. Who is Shea Cotton outside of basketball? <laughs> Man, a, lo a loyal servant. Uh Somebody that'll take his shirt off, you know, shirt off his back for you. Um, 
that's going to do whatever you got to do to to help make the community better, to to rise up the youth and teach them how to do it the right way. Um, somebody that's going to continue to set the bar in his own way. You know, I'm a do it or die. That's my mentality. And, you know, my like I said, it's about legacy for me now. That's what I'm chasing, them testimonies. It's not about this is great, but I've been in darkness for a long time. So the cameras don't really do nothing for me. I know there's a time for everything, you know, and and this has to happen because people need to know that I got here and it took a price to get here. You know, it took a major price. And if you're willing to pay it, then you're going to be successful in life. Everybody's not going to play basketball. Some people are, are, are lawyers, doctors, whatever. But whatever you do, you have to focus on your process. You know, there's no, I tell people all the time, there's no elevator to success. You got to take the stairs. Speak to your program that you're working with the youth right now and, and what you guys do in the community. Uh, the foundation nonprofit 501c3 is called Academy of Ideas. Uh, we, we basically service the LA, greater LA County area with the epicenter being Long Beach. We partnered with the LBUSD Long Beach Unified School District this year, and um, we have a program running right now. Currently, I'm wearing the T-shirt, the clinic. Uh, it's every Monday and Friday. We actually have a session tonight. It runs for about an hour and a half. We do an hour of basketball and 30 minutes of mental health. So it's powerful because I give the kids a voice. Um, I created this thing called a circle of trust, and we put chairs in a circle around the half court, and everybody sits there, and I sit right in the middle of them, and they get to write one question and it remains anonymous. We put it in a barrel and I shake it up and we go through them one at a time and remain anonymous. And we just dig into a lot of stuff. When I talk about life, not just sport, how you're dealing with academics, you know, what does home life look like? What are some of the peer pressures you're dealing with? I mean, we're just peeling layers back little by little. So the parents seem to love it and the kids seem to become more well-rounded. So we're excited. We're just building. That's beautiful. Make sure we get all that information because we want to make a donation on behalf of all the smoke. Absolutely. Uh, to your to your commitment and, and your movement. And if you need us, we there. Just let us know. Absolutely. Talk about the doc too and what you're doing with the doc. You're going to research with the doc. Yeah. So we uh we're we're looking we're looking at um doing some things with the documentary. I mean, at this point, we're still in in a contract with uh 1091 Media out of New York City. So uh, that's going to be finishing up pretty soon. But, you know, we're looking to get get it, wrap it up and get it out, you know, on a large level because there's a lot of people that don't know about me mm -hmm. that hasn't really heard the story because of lack of marketing because we was released during COVID. So that kind of, that hurt a lot of our push because everything shut down. Mm -hmm. But I think the timing now couldn't be better, you know, with the work being done. So the film is one engine. Then I got the speaking engagements that I do also. So typically we have a shake cotton experience. I show the film. And then we do a Q&A for about an hour, 45 minutes after, and they can ask any question. And it is so powerful That's because true. you got the subject of the film right in front of you and you've already been moved. Some people move to tears or anger or whatever, right. and they want to voice that. So we tap into that right after and it's, it's powerful. So anybody looking to get that experience, they can tap in with us as well. Yeah, once you get it free, let us know. Definitely Absolutely. line that up. Absolutely. All right, man, well, we appreciate your time. Um, you know, we can't say enough about your journey, learning more about your journey um, and how you came out on the other side. You know, a lot of people that have been through the shit you've been through aren't here no more. And the fact that you're a speaking testament that, you know, you've been able to make it through the journey and continue to show love and, and build others up and, and, and pour into that next generation. Man, it really says a lot about your character and, and, and the way you were raised, man. So we just want to make sure you know that you're loved, respected and appreciated. 
And you always got a home here, bro. Appreciate y'all. Thanks. No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. All right, quick hitters. First thing to come to mind, let us know. MJ, Kobe, Braun, rank them. Uh, MJ one, Kobe two, Bron three. Am I missing something? Nah. nah. Same, shit we, same shit we say. <laughs> same shit we say. <laughs> Top five LA born hoopers of all time. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to go with myself. Yes, I know that. Uh, I agree with you. Raymond Lewis. Mm. Um, I'd probably say Hot Plate Williams, John Hot Plate Williams. Uh, Paul Plate. and Baron. Yeah. Paul and Baron. Yeah. Mm. yeah. No, BD gotta, no BD got to be in there. Yeah. No BD yeah. got to be in top, there. Top man. five. <clears throat> what album you can listen to on repeat? Man. That's a good question. Uh, it's either it's either Pac or Big. I mean, I listen to both of them probably equal. Can't go wrong. Yeah. One second before I go to my next question. How did he get the nickname Hot Plate? <laughs> that boy could eat. That's <laughs> I had to ask that question, dog. How you get a nickname called Hot Plate? So you eat. He was a big boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he was slim in high school, and then he put on some weight because his buddy uh, died in a boat accident. And he, he went through a, a depression. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something we eat for comfort. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's when he started to, to gain weight. Yeah, yeah I got him high play. Yep. He was still yeah. nice. Yeah. He was still yeah. nice. Yeah, high play. Oh, yeah. He was a bucket. Best basketball show of all time. Mm. <sighs> Not film. Show. Shoe. Shoe. Yeah, oh. No, uh, Shoe. Jordan 5. To me. Yeah. yeah. Or the Harachi that the Michigan. The Hirachi, yeah, yeah, yeah. They came out around our time. Yeah. They redoing they redoing the Harachis too. Nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh five dinner guests, you plus five people, dead or alive. Who's at your table? Wow. Uh profound. Um I'd have to say Jim Rohn, um, my dad. Um I'd probably like to meet Mahatma Gandhi. Oh, man, that's you got some good ones. Let me see. Uh, Dr. Miles Monroe. Probably Zig Ziglar. Zig. Yeah. Zig. First time hearing Zig. Yeah. First time hearing a couple of people. If you could have, if you could see somebody on our show, who would it be? But. You have to help us get them on the show. Oh, somebody that hasn't been on the show. Mm -hmm. Whoever uh, you want to see on the show. Okay. You have to help us get them on the show, though. <laughs> I want to see Ronnie on the show. Huh? Ronnie Fields. Yeah. Ronnie yeah. Fields. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, you know, you know, that's my guy. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Yes, yeah, sir. That's yeah. a good call, too. Shea Cotton. You can catch this on Showtime Basketball YouTube and the iHeart platform, Black Effects. See y'all next week. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. 
Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.